0: Tank. Yes. How important is cash, not only to me personally, but to our podcast? Oh, he's integral. Integral. He's the CEO of Psychopedia. I love him and I would do anything for him, but vet bills get very expensive. So fast. Especially when it's an emergency vet bill. So here's the good news. Our partner, Spot Pet Insurance, is here to share how they are a secret weapon against the unexpected.
1: Oh, I've heard about insurance before. I've never had it.
0: With Spot Plans, you can get up to 90% cash back on eligible vet bills. That could be a whole lot of cash back for unexpected vet bills, which can pile up fast.
1: Question, is that cash with a K or...
0: (laughs) Funny. Spot pet insurance plans don't just offer coverage for unexpected accidents and illnesses. You can add their preventative care benefit to your plan, helping to ensure that routine wellness, vaccines, and more can be covered. Go to spotpet.com today and get a quote instantly. Visit www.spotpet.com. Paid
1: ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com/sample-policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services LLC. Learning a second and third language has opened my mind in ways I did not expect. Language can be such a barrier. We feel divided or separated from people who are speaking a language we don't understand. I can tell you from lots of personal experience, there's nothing better than coming across someone struggling to speak English only to have me meet them where they stand. Their eyes light up and they relax. That's why I love Rosetta Stone. Learning on your own with books or even in class is tough because you learn in a way that does not make sense to the human brain. Rosetta Stone is as close to immersion as you can get without abandoning your family and responsibilities to go live in Spain for six months. Rosetta Stone has been a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. You learn fast. It's intuitive. There's no English translation, so it's sink or swim. And it has the true accent feature, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Psychopedia listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash psychopedia. All right, welcome back to another episode of Psychopedia, the true crime podcast that mixes true crime and comedy, making it a crimey. I'm your co-host, Hank Sinatra, here with my co-host.
0: Investigator Slater.
1: She just put a finger up like she was a gangster from West LA. (laughs) So here what we do is, uh, Investigator Slater is a legit investigator. She's very in-depth, very diligent about her caseload and what she does and what she brings to it. She really digs in. And I make memes for a living, and I don't know anything about the case before we start, which I like. And I, I'll be honest, I'm not the biggest true crime fan, but I'm starting to like it the more episodes we do. And I like what we do because I think what we need is a little bit of levity because the you know the world is so crazy that enough so many true crime and, and killers and serial killers and you know kidnap and all this. We just want to have some laughs, never at the expense of the victim. Okay. If I make a joke, it's probably going to be about how I'm bald or something like that. Or Investigator Slater is small. It'll be something along those lines. Respectful, but lighthearted, humorous. And I got to think this is the first podcast that's ever really mixed true crime and comedy.
0: The way that we do it, I feel, is a first. I haven't come across any that I would consider true crime and comedy.
1: That are actually funny.
0: That make me laugh. But I do have a high bar.
1: Well, that makes me feel great because you laugh at a lot of I stuff do. I say. You're yeah. very funny. I'm fucking funny. funny. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're new here, welcome. If you're, you're not new here, welcome home. Rate, review, subscribe. We're trying to beat the machines out there. The algorithms are a mother. So we just need help. You know, if you like us, tell somebody about it because that will allow us to continue to do it. She's going to throw me off the trail with some quizzes that I do horrifically at every time. f f f f
0: Last episode, though, you were spot on. I think you only got one wrong.
1: I think I only got one right. Usually when I guess something, if there's three choices, and I choose the first one, that's wrong. Then I choose the second one, that's wrong. And then I get the third one, which is the only, you know, by, by- The only one left. Deduction. I'm not an idiot. I do know that there's only one choice left. But I think last time I guessed one on the first try, and then I guessed one on the second try, which is major- Which is
0: great for you.
1: But I'll be honest, I was completely guessing.
0: Oh. Listen, I research enough that the alternative answers that I provide could very well be the right answer. Like, it's not out of left field.
1: No, they're very plausible. Right. And I don't know much about the case, so I don't know who did what, you know? Right. But I enjoy it because I like...
0: Taking tests.
1: I like what a good job you do. Thank you. You do a good job, A, on the case. B, you write like Winston Churchill. C... The quizzes you give are gnarly. (laughs) So if you're listening along, maybe you'll feel dumb like I do too.
0: Not my intention.
1: Not our intention, but a natural byproduct of not knowing the answers to any of the questions on the test.
0: Listen, it's all about trying.
1: So I heard from you, the only thing I know about this case so far is that it's a two-parter.
0: Right. It's our first two-parter. So buckle up. Correct. And first, let's welcome everyone to part one of our first two-parter.
1: Are we going to do a cliffhanger? Did you write a cliffhanger like a Netflix season uh, finale?
0: The cliffhanger is that you don't know if I incorporated a cliffhanger. Oh,
1: (laughs) that's a cliff banger. (laughs) All right. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens at the end of this episode. You ready to go? You got to say when it's done because I don't even know.
0: You'll you'll figure it out.
1: Because you'll stop talking. Correct. I'm going to
0: say thanks for listening.
1: Okay. So here's the informational part of the podcast.
0: If Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh boy. and Saw made passionate, perverse love and had a deranged baby, it would be this case. Oh my God, I
1: hate it already.
0: Keep going. I'm not sure that I can properly prepare you for what you're about to hear. All I can really do is warn you that the case we are exploring tonight is more horrifying than any slasher movie you can likely think of. So allow this to serve as your official trigger warning. We're going to be discussing abduction... Confinement, Human Experimentation, Torture, Sadomasochism, Sexual Assault, Bestiality, and Homicide.
1: Jesus, man.
0: Because tonight, we are talking about David Parker Ray, better known as the Toy Box Killer.
1: This cannot be a real person.
0: It's a real person. It's a real case. This really happened. We're heading back to the middle slash late 1990s to a city in Sierra County, New Mexico called Elephant Butte, which is about 150 miles south of Albuquerque. Elephant Butte is a tiny middle of the desert place with a total area of three square miles and a population of about 1,300 people. Of course,
1: someone's going to be a killer from there.
0: There really wasn't too much to say about Elephant Butte at this point in time, except that it was home to New Mexico's largest state park called Elephant Butte Lake State Park that had a 40-mile-long reservoir across the Rio Grande.
1: Is a butte a plateau? Is that what that is, like the technical definition?
0: I don't know. I know that Elephant Butte got its name because of the shape of a rock in a desert that looked like an elephant. Okay. So that would actually make sense then. This unassuming desert town in the middle of nowhere was unremarkable in pretty much every way. That is, until 3.15 p.m. on March 22, 1999, when 911 dispatchers received a series of phone calls reporting the sight of a panic-stricken woman waving down cars in the desert heat along a dusty, mostly abandoned road in Elephant Butte. The 22-year-old woman named Cynthia Vigil had been running frantically like a wounded animal in the wild being hunted, completely covered in blood and black and blue from head to toe. Uh,
1: I was going to ask if she was covered in blood, but I kind of didn't want to know, but you told me anyway. You're
0: going to hear a lot more.
1: So she's out in the middle of the desert, frantically waving cars down, panic-stricken, thinking she's going to die, maybe clean close to the. With
0: very good reason. Cynthia was completely naked, but for a metal dog collar wrapped around her neck, and a five-foot-long chain trailing in her wake. Oh, my God. This bloody, naked, terrified woman screamed at the passing cars in an effort to get every single car to stop. Why were the cars passing? right past her. She was screaming, and no sound was coming out. Oh, that's
1: terrifying. I might keep driving, too.
0: So, also, I've had nightmares where I'm screaming for help, and it's silent. Like, this really happened to her.
1: I listen, I want to think I'm a hero and I do the right thing. I may like drive past her a hundred feet and be like, are you okay? Even though she's naked, covered in blood and uh, wearing a dog chain. Right. Obviously she's not okay, but you don't know if that person is the killer. I don't think
0: it's totally unreasonable that cars drove past her, but I'm happy to know that some of them called 911 at the very least. Yeah. They did interview people that were on the road that drove past her and they were like, "We, we had no clue if that was even real. We had no clue if there was a killer waiting like, It it was a setup to get us to stop. Like, it was very, very eerie for these people, obviously.
1: Oh, my God. That sounds horrific.
0: Cynthia's terrifying plight is actually part of the final scene of this real-life horror movie. So before we dive into that further, let's hit rewind and start at the beginning.
1: Wow, you're going to Tarantino it, huh? Yeah. Oh, man, (laughs) starting out in the diner.
0: In 1994 a 20-year-old woman named Kelly Van Cleave moved from Kansas City, Kansas to a city just 10 minutes away from Elephant Butte in New Mexico called Truth or Consequences. No. Yeah. So let's kick off our first pop quiz on a light note because it, it's going to get heavy after she this. She was
1: from Truth or Consequences, Cards Against Humanity, or <laughs> what the hell kind of name is that for a town?
0: Well, how did the New Mexico City of Truth or Consequences get its fabulous name? A... Was it named after an American game show called Truth or Consequences? B, was it named after a Mormon elder from that area who preached that all Christians should prayerfully study the truths of the Book of Mormon or suffer the consequences? Okay. Or C, was it named by the founder of the Truth Project who came from New Mexico and works to mitigate wrongful convictions of innocent people?
1: Well, I think my brain is exploding because it's one of them and not the other two which i have a very hard time dealing with <laughs> i'm going to say game show mormon
0: founder truth, of the truth
1: project truth project i don't think it's the truth project because I, I think i know what that is and i and i think that came no i mean you would know you didn't you're not going to make an organization that was founded in 2015 be involved in a story that's evolved it takes uh, place maybe in because i
0: don't know what you know
1: oh geez. okay so i think it was the mormon guy no Obviously. <laughs> Fucking idiot. I
0: have an idea. What? When you think something is right, pick something else.
1: Yeah. Okay. So it wasn't the Mormon guy. Was it named after the the game show? Yeah. Well, that's yeah crazy.
0: Yep. So in March of 1950, the town was renamed from Hot Springs to Truth or Consequences after the popular NBC radio game show. So this is what happened.
1: It's right next to The Price is Right, right? The
0: host of the show announced that they would air their 10th anniversary episode.
1: Ra- radio.
0: Uh, right. From okay. whatever town would agree to change their name to the name of the game show. Insane. And this little town in Bumfuck, USA figured it would be good for tourism. So they did it.
1: Wow. So Truth or Consequence was a show on NBC radio.
0: Truth or Consequences. Yeah. Truth yep. or
1: Consequences.
0: Isn't that wild?
1: I mean, I would do it if they would name my house. I mean, you would
0: do it for a lot less, I feel like.
1: If they would name my house Deal or No Deal, I would do it in two seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Where are you from? I grew up in Deal or No Deal, but then I moved to Wheel of Fortune when I was younger. (laughs) When I was all there. (laughs) It's no secret that costs of goods are out of control. Business owners, large and small, know this. I'm a small business owner who happens to be physically large. Cost of goods drives up cost of services, which drives up cost of goods. It's unending. But there is a solution. NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is a solution, not a problem. A lot of technology is just a bigger, faster problem.
0: NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you can reduce IT costs, cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, Improve efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. And
1: listen, 37,000 companies are using it. That doesn't happen by mistake. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash psychopedia. That's netsuite.com slash netsuite.com slash psychopedia.
0: Let's get back to Kelly Van Cleve. See, we're not making fun of the Bloody Lady. Nope. Just having And also, fun. we're not talking about the Bloody Lady anymore because that's like the last scene in this two-parter. We're going to circle back, obviously, to the Bloody Lady. But right now, we're talking about a different woman named Kelly Van Cleve from Kansas City, Kansas, who moved to Oh,
1: I thought that the was area. the Bloody Lady. Right.
0: No. It's okay. Not. There's day. actually, I will warn you, there are a lot of players in this. Yeah. And they almost all have three names. So... We can, like, slow down if we need to. We'll
1: call her KVC.
0: KVC, got it. So it's 1994. KVC was 20 years old and living in Truth or Consequences, which is where she met a Marine named Patrick Murphy, whom she married in 1996. The couple had some issues going on, one of which centered on KVC having a medical condition that made sexual intercourse painful for her. Patrick didn't believe that Kelly truly had this condition, and after they got married, he started to push her into having sex with him. This understandably led to arguments and a less than ideal start to a happily ever after situation. One night after a particularly intense fight, Kelly left the house and headed out to a bar called Blue Water Saloon, where she remembers talking to a friend named Jesse Ray. Then the last thing Kelly recalls is being in the home of Jesse Ray's father, David Parker Ray, who was a 59-year-old mustache-clad scrawny white guy a trained mechanic, and a state park ranger. David held a knife against Kelly's throat as he clasped a dog collar around her neck and viciously wrapped her entire face in duct tape to stifle her screams and prevent her from seeing. Kelly was then led out of David's home and into a separate trailer, which is now famously known as the Toy Box, where she was strapped into a remote-control-operated gynecological chair with stirrups. And forced to listen to a cassette tape with a pre recorded message narrated by David himself. On the tape, David explained that she, his victim, was to refer to him only as master and to never speak unless spoken to first. And this is what Kelly heard on the tape. I'm gonna leave some parts out. And actually, Tank, I wanted you to read it.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. So this is what David Parker Ray pre-recorded and had his victims listen to. (laughs) (laughs) You looked at the first line.
1: Hello there, bitch. Are you comfortable right now? I doubt it. Wrists and ankles chained? Gagged? Probably blindfolded? You're disoriented and scared too, I would imagine. Perfectly normal under the circumstances. I'm going to tell you in detail why you've been kidnapped, what's going to happen to you, and how long you've been here. Now, you are obviously here against your will. Totally helpless. Don't know where you're at. Don't know what's going to happen to you. Now you're just waiting to see what's going to happen next. You probably think you're going to be raped, and you're fucking sure right about that. Oh, my God. Horrible. You won't remember a fucking thing about this whole adventure. Our primary interest is what you've got between your legs. Signing off, David Parker, piece of shit. Yep. Wow.
0: Well done. That was You sounded really sinister.
1: I tried to, but I also didn't want to, because I, I didn't want to like, you know.
0: Well, I feel unwell, so you nailed it.
1: Yeah. Um. So wait, that was just on repeat or he played it like...
0: No, he called it his advisory tape and that's what he had his victims listen to off the bat when he got them in his toy box, which I'll tell you what that is, explain in more depth what that is. Yeah. He played that. It's almost like a, a disclaimer or like a, how we would put a trigger warning like on a, an episode.
1: corporate training video. Right.
0: Okay. <laughs> what
1: the... Welcome to Walmart. <laughs> Jeez, I mean, what a psychopath. Where was her friend when this was happening? Jesse Ray? Jesse Ray, yeah.
0: Jesse Ray is David Parker Ray's daughter. She's in on it.
1: Oh, no, I don't like that at all. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, what came next after Kelly was forced to listen to that ominous advisory tape is truly what nightmares are made of and not the stupid nightmares like. I have forgetting to like register for a chemistry class and then not being able to graduate like actual nightmares.
1: This sounds terrifying, but yeah, this sounds worse.
0: Yeah. Because the toy box was a soundproof escape proof cargo trailer designed to be a full on torture chamber equipped with a multitude of drugs and a myriad of homemade sexual devices and implements of torture, including saws, Chains, whips, clamps, straps, surgical blades, cattle prods, an electric shock machine, bottles of oil used as lubricant, suspension devices, pulleys and weights, and different metal bars labeled ankle spreader, knee spreader, and vaginal stretcher. Ugh. Ugh. On the walls were images of diagrams depicting different methods of torture along with a sign that read Satan's Den. There were several video cameras and monitors set up in the toy box so that the victim, in this case poor Kelly, was forced to watch what was being done to her.
1: That is horrible.
0: Horrible. You couldn't even make
1: a movie about this. It would be that's, too much.
0: That's what I'm saying. It's more horrifying than any slasher movie you can possibly think of. Oh, this poor
1: girl. Oh my God. The toy
0: box also included a collection of gigantic spiked dildos made by David himself using scrap metal and long pipes. Metal? Yeah. And what's even sicker is that David truly fancied himself a highly skilled sexual scientist with a functioning laboratory, which was the toy box, as he called it, and all the necessary homemade tools of the trade. He felt he was clinically studying women, whom he'd refer to as, quote, pretty pieces of meat, as he inflicted immeasurable pain through sexual experimentation and inhumane torture.
1: How old is this guy? 59?
0: Yes. First, he would break down his victim psychologically by playing that advisory tape that you read. Then he would brutally sexually assault his captive in many different ways, toying with pain levels and carefully documenting, filming, and cataloging his findings and observations.
1: Why couldn't he just put that energy towards something good? Like he sounds so organized.
0: Because he's a very rare breed of human. Uh He's a sexual sadist. They are the rarest breed.
1: Meaning they get pleasure from inflicting pain. They can
0: only get pleasure from inflicting and watching human suffering. Oh, that sucks. He had a growing collection of drawings he made to map out the exact ways in which he planned to brutalize the women. And then he photographed the end result after he executed his plan. When I went, by the way, side note, when I went to Yad Vashem, which is the Holocaust Museum in Israel, obviously it's horrendous from start to finish. Every single room, every single exhibit is just bone chilling, right? But one of the things that really still haunts me is this. They would show pictures of of victims who were being experimented on by the Nazis and they would force the victims to smile in the pictures. So here are these like starving, emaciated, brutalized, in the worst way, victims, human beings. And they're looking up at the camera and they're smiling.
1: Yeah, that's terrible. Horrible. And it's one thing to think about it, obviously, intellectually. Oh my God, that would be so terrible. It's so sad. But like, first of all, this woman was actually in there. And I'm imagining there were other people in there before her and after her. But um, I did have one terrifying nightmare once. Like I felt absolute sheer terror. I took Calm, which is fucking ironic because it did the opposite of Calm. It made me have murder nightmares. Is a magnesium supplement. I took it, I slept. I remember being in my childhood home and somebody came past the corner, but like violently, like they were being thrown or pushed or something. And I could tell that the person that was killing them was coming from behind the corner too. I didn't see them, but I knew I was going to die. I was like, or I was going to have to stop a killer. It was like absolute terror. And that's a dream.
0: That's something you woke up from. Yeah. Yeah. And survived, clearly. Horrible. It's just, it's excruciating to even tell this story, you know?
1: I wonder what it's like listening to it.
0: I mean, if our little listener freaks or anything like me, it's a good time somehow. Yeah, you little I
1: freaks. <laughs> if you're enjoying this, rate, review, subscribe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not a good time. Let me rephrase. It's just, it's fascinating.
1: I'll give you that. It is very interesting.
0: You're like, you're in this right now with me.
1: I'm in the toy box. <laughs> oh God. I know. I mean, I'm literally yeah, right. like in there, I'm picturing the lighting, what it smells like, what the air is like in there, what the vibe is like. It must just be absolute living hell for this this woman, Kelly.
0: Correct. David had loads of homemade torture apparatuses, all designed to inflict the most amount of pain and destruction to his victims, specifically to their genitalia. The toy box had a medical cabinet in which he kept syringes, chemicals, and sex instruments of varying degrees of horror. David also kept a souvenir from each of his victims, which is very serial killer-esque. And of course, David's crown achievement was the remote control operated gynecological chair that would slide along a six-foot track so it could be placed beneath a woman whom he'd have suspended in midair. Pop. Quiz. Oh Jesus! <laughs> what is the final item that David Parker Ray kept in the toy box? A. Thank you notes that he'd force his victims to write him. B. A wall of death on which he hung time-stamped photographs of all the women he claimed disobeyed his orders. Or C. A seven-foot-long coffin with restraint hooks and ventilation holes.
1: Um, I'm gonna say I'm not gonna go with the opposite of my instinct. I'm gonna say. Thank you notes. No. Th- then you came I up with that. I
0: scared myself. <laughs> <laughs> when I came up with the other two options, I was like, yo, girl, you've got <laughs> problems. Oh,
1: that's the, that's the most terrifying part. That means you came up with that. Okay. So no thank you notes. Then he had a wall of death.
0: That's what you're going with? Yeah. That's incorrect.
1: What the hell?
0: I know. He had a seven foot long coffin with restraint hooks and ventilation holes. Remember, in the beginning, I mentioned confinement.
1: Oh, that's part right. of his
0: his torture. The construction of the completed toy box reportedly cost David one hundred thousand dollars. Where did this guy get this? I kind of have money? no fucking clue. Because we're going to go on to hear a little bit about David and his upbringing and his life and whatever. How did he have? How did he have like a hundred dollars on him when you hear about his life? A hundred fucking thousand dollars?
1: You know what though? I've known people who were like dead broke and they had souped out cars and it's like- That's
0: why they were dead broke. It all went to their souped out car.
1: This guy was dead broke because he was a freak.
0: Yeah, because he had a toy box.
1: Toy box. Caved in gold. Who, and who came up with the word toy box? He did. He did. Which
0: is like, I'm almost a little reluctant to play along, if you will, and call it his toy box because that's what he calls it. Yeah. You know, but here we are.
2: Want to teach your kids financial literacy, but not sure where to start?
3: For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
0: Kelly was held captive, heavily drugged, and savagely tortured on repeat for three whole days, after which amazingly, she was let go. Wow. David drove Kelly back home in his state-issued vehicle, counting on the fact that Kelly would have no recollection of what happened to her given the cocktail of drugs he forcibly administered. David walked Kelly into her home, telling her husband, Patrick, and Patrick's parents, who they lived with, that he found Kelly wandering aimlessly on the beach that morning. But Patrick wasn't buying it but rather than feeling that something more sinister was going on with his new bride, he instead misinterpreted the situation to believe that Kelly had just gone out on a bender, cheated on him since her wedding ring was missing, and since Kelly had no other explanation to provide. Patrick would not allow Kelly back into the house, and he ended their marriage.
1: Didn't this girl have painful issues with regular sex, too? Yes, she did. Ugh.
0: After Patrick refused to allow Kelly back into their home, David then drove Kelly to a friend's house, after which she thanked him for helping her.
1: she, but she had no idea she what was going no
0: on. I had no idea. I hate that so much.
1: Maybe that's where the thank you notes came from. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Okay. You're not that sad. You're
0: getting to know, like, my psyche. For years, Kelly was tormented by vague yet vivid nightmares and repressed traumatic memories of her time in the toy box. What?
1: I'm just realizing I'm sitting here and I feel like you're like a a camp counselor telling me ghost stories around a campfire, but they're true. (laughs) And I'm like, tell me more. This is horrible. Uh, I need more
0: details. Okay, then let's keep going.
1: So Kelly gets brought back to her husband. The husband thinks she got drunk and cheated on her. So he takes her to where? I got-
0: A friend's house. He drops her off. She thanks him. And that's that. So we're going to go on to hear more about the toy box, whether you like it or not. And the unfortunate victims who endured the unthinkable within the four walls of that torture chamber. But I want to first discuss David Parker Ray's upbringing. So we know, though still may not understand and certainly will never excuse why and how David wound up becoming the faux sexual scientist, serial killer-esque, Nazi-esque monster that he was. Monster, yeah. Monster. The thing is, Tank, he was human. Like human beings are capable of this. When we call somebody a monster, it almost lets them off the hook.
1: Yeah, I feel that.
0: You know what I mean? He was a human, a fucking shit human being, but a human being. So let's not forget what some of us are capable of.
1: Speak for yourself. I'm I'm not capable capable of of it. (laughs) Jesus.
0: (laughs) Tank exits the building. Some
1: of this species is capable of, but this has got to be an outlier situation.
0: I mean, he's definitely an outlier, which is why he's on the Psychopedia podcast.
1: They they based the movie Saw on this guy.
0: No. Oh. I said that if Saw and Texas Chainsaw Massacre had a baby, it would be this case.
1: I know. I was just kidding.
0: Oh, you're usually more obvious when you joke.
1: So yeah, this guy is bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Human being. Broken brain.
0: David Parker Ray. Broken brain. David Parker Ray was born on November 6th, 1939 in the tiny desert town of Bellin, New Mexico. His father, Cecil, was a violent alcoholic and David had a tough childhood. The Rays lived deep in the rural insulated parts of this already insulated area where opportunities for young men to make something of themselves were few and far between. Eventually, his father left David, his mother and his sister Peggy and David didn't see him again until many, many years later. After David's father left, David's mother, Nettie, shipped David and his sister Peggy off to live with their paternal grandparents. David was bullied in school. He was shy. He was a loner. He came across as nervous, and he was forced to dress in a way that suited his very conservative grandfather, but it also made him a target to the other kids. This doesn't even sound that bad to me, but I guess back in, what, like 1950? This was like a big fashion no-no, but like his grandfather would force him to button his shirt all the way up to the top. And because of that, he was bullied relentlessly. But around age 13, David began to find his stride as he honed his craft for mechanics. He began fixing up bikes and climbing up the social ladder as a result.
1: The social ladder of Bellend fucking New Mexico. Right.
0: It was also around this age that David began to develop an interest in sadomasochism. He was fascinated with bondage and found tremendous pleasure in aggression-centered sexual acts in which there was an imbalance of power and control between master and slave or perpetrator and victim. Major red flag here, right? We have essentially a fatherless child being raised in an unstable, hostile environment with a strict grandfather and a neglectful grandmother. He's drawn to BDSM and has access to extremely graphic pornographic magazines depicting sexual violence against women Which were given to him by his father when his father would visit. Even back then? Why not back then? Freaks existed always.
1: Well, I've just been, side note, thinking about this. I've been thinking about, I saw this video of some guy who's like, I don't know if you know this about me, but I cannot stand when people talk about kids today or society today as if it's like- I did
0: know that about you.
1: Yeah, it's not different. Kids are
0: kids our kids are kids
1: you don't think cavemen kids were laying around grunting. I don't want to go hunt. Like, you're going to go fucking hunt, dude. (laughs) You got to teach you. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, I saw this video and this guy was like, you know, the problem today is that nobody's telling these kids, 13, 15 years old, what to do. They're not telling them to work out. They're not telling them to do their homework. And I was like, bro, yes, they are. They're just not listening because they're teenagers. So then I start thinking about, like I listened to Pantera and Sepultura and my dad would be like, I can't understand what they're saying. And I'd be like, well, first of all, he's speaking Brazilian, but it's okay. Uh, <laughs> second of all, listen to it more than once and maybe you'll get to know it. And then he told me that when Jimi Hendrix played the Star Spangled Banner.
0: His, his parents.
1: parents thought it was like the end times.
0: My grandmother wouldn't let my mother play guitar because the Beatles were a bad influence. People
1: in her thought her the Beatles were the devil incarnate coming from the UK to America. Mm-hmm. The Beatles. And Elvis, he's shaking his hips. Oh my God. So there's just always been this understanding gap between people who were once young, got old, forgot what it's like to be young, and then it goes on and on. But I just will not, I can't do it. Mm. I can't engage. But I am surprised against my own monologue I just did that there was hardcore pornographic S&M magazines back in the 50s.
0: There was more than that. There was like a BDSM subculture in these parts of New Mexico around that time and when he was older. Yeah, I guess that does make sense. I mean, why not? Just because there was no internet to broadcast it didn't mean it wasn't happening. David graduated from Valley High School in Northwest Albuquerque in 1957. From there, he had four failed marriages, a couple kids along the way, whom he largely abandoned, except for some pockets of time here and there. And he had a stint in which he decided to reinvent himself as a hippie and bum around Arizona. In like 1967. So he was a drifter for a while.
1: Which meant he just liked to do drugs probably.
0: And grow out his hair. Yeah. And probably that wicked stash. I'll
1: tell you what, I love drugs and I hate haircuts. (laughs) What can I be?
0: Hippie. A fucking hippie. A hippie drifter in Arizona. He struggled with some bouts of homelessness. He bounced around from Arizona to New Mexico, picking up odd jobs in mechanics here and there, scraping just enough money, you know, to get by. Eventually, he settled down in Elephant Butte, began to earn a decent living as a mechanic, and led a more stable lifestyle. Stable meaning he held a job, not stable in his sexual proclivities. Sure. That was very unstable. Proclivities. He also began to moonlight in the world of sadomasochistic sex.
1: And when you say moonlight, what do you mean by that?
0: He began to go to clubs, and he began to... They had clubs? host parties. Yeah, hear me out. Crucially... One of the following statements rang true at this point in David's life. Pop quiz. Which statement accurately describes David Parker Ray's situation at this point in life? So maybe he's around, let's say around 30-ish. A, David began wearing high heels, tucked his junk between his legs, and switched from master to slave.
1: Wait, hold on a second. Hold on. (laughs) A
0: lot to process there.
1: Say the question again because I got so wrapped up in the tuck of the junk that I lost everything. What I'm asking you. Let's start over.
0: Which statement accurately describes David Parker Ray's situation at this point in life? A, David began wearing high heels, tucked his junk between his legs and switched from being master to slave. Okay. B, David could not ejaculate without the image of killing women. Mm -hmm. C, David began to torture animals for sexual pleasure.
1: Oh. He could not ejaculate without seeing somebody dead.
0: I'm so proud of you when you get it right. I got it right. You got it right.
1: Well, I knew that it wasn't the tucking his junk and becoming slave to the master because
0: it's not his jam. I
1: don't think it works like that. Yeah. And then the other one torturing
0: animals for sexual pleasure or I don't know. That believable. It doesn't
1: lead to where he is today. Okay. If you said You the, really
0: you really work that out.
1: I do that on Good every for you. question.
0: Really? That's alarming.
1: I do it every single time. I think so hard. I think so hard, I just never get anything right. Well done. Thank you.
0: His sexual fantasies began to dominate his life. Pun intended. Yeah. Murder became an integral part of his sexual fantasies, which, of course, is an escalation. And a dangerous one at that. So he escalated from like bondage, which is a kink. And I'm not here to kink shame, P.S. Like bondage, great, go for it.
1: We are here to crime shame. So but I'm gonna, here
0: to shame the toy box killer in everything else that he did. If
1: you're going to murder to get off, maybe sex is not for you.
0: Right. Well. You know? <laughs> I mean, can't you just, I don't know, conjure up some other images in your brain and just leave innocent people out of the picture? Well, if someone was like,
1: "Hey, I can't eat a hamburger and enjoy it unless somebody punches me in the nuts." You'd be like, "Maybe you don't like hamburgers, dude.
0: <laughs> Maybe go for the nuggets." <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean like, "Try a salad or something." Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bizarre.
0: David's daughter, Jessie, who we met earlier in the episode, was more than aware of her father's violent sexual proclivities. I feel like you like that word. I love that. So word. I, said it again I also for love you.
1: preternatural.
0: Preternatural. Yeah. I don't know it.
1: It's like a preternatural talent for something when you have like this built-in gift.
0: Like innate.
1: If you have a preternatural proclivity, I mean
0: oh fucking my God. Eight, you're crushing. No, Yo, we should make t-shirts with
1: that. Preternatural proclivity? Yeah. I'm not here to proclivity shame.
0: It's hot. I like it. Jessie would even participate in her father's violent sexual acts down the line. But in 1986, she reported him to the FBI. She told them that David was kidnapping and torturing girls before (laughs) selling them into slavery in Mexico. Over the next year, the FBI investigated David's activities in New Mexico and Arizona and even brought him in for questioning on several occasions. David was always cooperative during these interviews and apparently told agents at one point that he considered himself to be a, quote, potentially dangerous individual. Incredibly, the FBI dropped the investigation, setting this sick hunter back into the world to prey upon women for the next 13 years. He never knew, by the way, that Jesse was the one who sicked the FBI on him. And ultimately their relationship went full circle because she joined in.
1: Maybe that's why she told, because she didn't want to get involved, but she knew she would. I I don't know. Maybe. How old is she at this point?
0: If he's about, if this is 1986, and I said he was born in 39, figure he was maybe 20 when she was born in 49. So she's in her 20s. Yeah. Elephant Butte also provided the perfect cover for David because it had a keep to yourself to each his own culture. He even became a sort of well-established fixture in the underground bondage and sex party scene in which he was rumored to have been paid by prominent businessmen to attend live performances of lesbian and sadomasochistic sex, which he would host and videotape on his own boat and then sell the footage to a network of customers.
1: He was a superstar. (laughs) I couldn't wait to get that out. And this is 1986, (laughs) right? right? So he's just doing the Wolf of Wall Street thing, but with like whips and chains.
0: On his boat, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, this guy sounds like he was... uh, He probably was on his way there from the very first breath he took?
0: I think that's the case with this level of depravity, I think.
1: I was going to say depravity, but you said it. Is that the opposite of proclivity? No. No, 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 no. So yeah, I mean, he was completely and totally unchecked and never even maybe thought to check himself and be like, you know what? He
0: did tell the FBI that he was concerned about... Yeah, that's
1: like a werewolf telling you to go inside when it's a full moon. Like, he's going to fuck you up if he sees you.
0: Wow. Yeah. Where did you
1: Pull that out of. I think about that a lot. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> because as a raging alcoholic, I remember thinking like, I don't want you like around me. Like I'm drinking. I'm going to black out. I might punch you. I might tell you your mother's a, f- mm. a hoe. Oh. Like I have mm-hmm. no clue what's going to You know
0: happen. what though? I When I get in like weird head spaces because I struggle with anxiety and whatever, I will give my family warning. Yeah. Like I'm doing this for you, my beautiful boys, because I'm concerned for your, you know, I would never, ever, ever do anything to them. But I don't even want them to see me when I'm in that dark kind of anxiety ridden place. But you, you can what I mean? really
1: only do it before it takes hold of you. Because once it takes hold, it's like, you're, it's too
0: late. Yeah. It's too late.
1: Werewolf. So I feel like a werewolf or I felt like a werewolf.
0: I, I don't know what to say because we did the episode about the werewolf and now I'm a little freaked out.
1: You don't have to say anything. Okay.
0: The year in this case is now 1996 and David Parker Ray struck up a friendship with a man named Dennis Roy Yancey. I told you, right? These people all have three names. We'll
1: call him Roy. We're going to
0: call him Roy who years earlier in 1987 at just the young age of 16 formed a self-proclaimed satanic group that would intentionally wreak havoc in the community. Roy and his little satanic playgroup vandalized property with pentagrams, destroyed a cemetery, poisoned neighborhood dogs, those sons of bitches. you hate him. (laughs) Unforgivable. And consorted in black magic. They even left threatening notes in kids' lockers at the high school in Truth or Consequences, which created such widespread fear and panic that prompted which of the following things to happen that year? Pop quiz. quiz. We should get a sound effect for pop quiz. (laughs) A, an enforced 10 p.m. curfew in all of Truth or Consequences. B, Halloween getting canceled that year. C, children under 18 requiring parental supervision absolutely everywhere.
1: So, curfew at 10, Halloween being canceled, or children under 18 requiring a curfew. This little group of Satanists caused this result to happen. Correct. I think that they caused a... um,
0: Don't let me down. Don't let me
1: down. um, uh, Children under 18 had to be with parents at all times? No.
0: I'm sorry.
1: You looked at me like, oh, you're so dumb.
0: I'm sorry that that just happened publicly.
1: Uh, uh, A curfew? No. Fucking Halloween canceled? Yes.
0: Oh, Can you imagine?
1: Canceled? How Fuck do
0: you- that. Do you, I'm taking my pumpkin jack-o'-lantern fucking goodie bag thing and I'm going.
1: Well, I, I thought it was the thing with the parents or whatever because I just saw something that there's a mall that's like Saturday night after 4 p.m. You cannot go in there. If where? You're I don't remember where it is, but this was like yesterday or the day before.
0: Wow. That's freaky.
1: Because kids go into a mall sometimes and then there's, you know, there's problems. Kids today, fucking. Those mall rats. Those mall rats. Yeah. But I mean, they're not doing pentagram stuff and killing dogs.
0: So what are they doing? Fucking up the food court?
1: I don't know where it is, but I do know that there's been some shootings at malls, gang related. That went Um, serious. Okay. Yeah.
0: Well, then I'm all for it. Fights, stealing, Mm -hmm.
1: wolf packing, which is back in full force. You know what wolf packing is?
0: Um, where is it when you have a group of people like on the lookout and then a lone wolf who does the damage? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> just kidding. No, uh, it's not even close. But I don't <laughs> want to say it's back back. That was a thing in the 80s and they demonized these young black kids in Central Park and they called them the wolf pack and blah, blah, blah. But they made a Netflix movie about that.
0: Oh my God, I'm way off. Okay.
1: Yeah, but there's like groups of young kids who will go, I just saw a video of them trashing, trashing a restaurant like 30, 40 kids go in masks, hoods. Oh, God. You can't see who they are. They go and flip all the tables over, break all the glasses, terrorize the customers. They're in there for like 30 seconds to a minute.
0: It's really scary, actually.
1: It is. I mean, if you were in a restaurant with your kids and someone came, like 30 people came in with masks and started turning shit over, you'd be like, we're going to die.
0: Yeah. I'd like to think if I was with my kids, I would be a fucking hero. And I would just charge these it's bitches. Too many
1: people. Yeah. many people's too many people.
0: I know, but I get really, really stupidly confident in situations like that. Admittedly. Yeah. You know what I mean?
1: The worst part is they're just having fun. That's the worst part is that they're just in their minds having fun. This is like a cool thing to do on a Saturday night. Okay. Well,
0: get a life, fuckers.
1: Kids today. <laughs>
0: Became well acquainted with criminal activities. No surprise.
1: Dennis Roy Yancey. Yes. Okay. I'm trying to get these names,
0: such as theft and drug abuse, which led him to strike up a friendship with Jesse Ray. Mm-hmm. Okay. The two partied a lot together, and just so happened to have been friends with a man named Kenneth Lee Lane, who was what the well. Hell? I, I was not kidding you. They all have three names who was a well-known drug abuser in the area and who wound up dead at an apartment often frequented by Roy and Jesse. So they were friends with this Kenneth Lee Lane, who was a well-known drug abuser, and Kenneth wound up dead at an apartment that Roy and Jesse were at a lot. An autopsy of Kenneth revealed nuts and bolts in his stomach and a doorknob shoved inside his anus. <laughs> what the hell? But the truth or consequences police department ruled his death an accidental death by metal poisoning. And that was that. You? Got- I don't know how a doorknob accidentally winds up up someone's ass.
1: Oh, it's no accident. No, sir. First of all. Second of all, uh, you got to do a lot of drugs to be a well-known drug abuser, I feel like.
0: Yeah. I mean, a drug abuser, drug dealer... You know, he's on their radar.
1: Oh, he's known to the cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he was like known in the town. Like, hey, that's, well, that's that guy too. does that guy does a lot of drugs. Watch that Yeah, out for but this him. isn't
0: like a, a huge metropolis. That's the other
1: thing that I was thinking about when you were talking about them going around vandalizing stuff. Like, who how are you gonna how do you think you're gonna get away with this? There's like seven people that live here.
0: Methinks they're not thinking. Yeah. In addition to hanging out with Jesse, Roy, now twenty five, also became good friends with David. By 1996, and even landed himself a girlfriend named Marie B. Parker. Parker, by the way, is just it's just coincidence that Parker, they're not related.
1: Marie oh, no, I Asian. know. But it's like David Parker Ray, Marie B. Uh, Parker, Kenneth Lee Allen, Kelly Lee Jarvis, whatever they the fuck. all fu- share names. Roy Jones Jr., Tommy <laughs> Lee Jones.
0: <laughs> Marie had a difficult life. And by age 14, she was homeless and struggling with a meth addiction. By 21, she had two kids to support and was forced to turn to sex work in Albuquerque. It was during this time when she met Jesse and Roy, started dating Roy, and spiraled deeper and deeper into the dark world of addiction and sex work. Marie gave her two daughters to a friend who agreed to keep them safe and fed, while Marie actually set up a tent to live in by Elephant Butte Lake. Understandably, Marie fell into a significant depression and struggled with suicidal ideation and mental illness. She even called her mother from a payphone and left a tearful, defeated goodbye message on her mother's answering machine before getting into David Parker Ray's truck with David, Jesse, and Roy. Unbeknownst to Marie, she was being abducted by them. She felt suicidal. She struggled with mental illness. She got into their car, but she's friends with them. She's dating Roy. She knows Jesse. She knows David. What she didn't realize is that they were essentially turning on her and making her another toy box victim. That's scary. Jesse held a gun to Marie's head, handcuffed her, and delivered her kicking and screaming. Once back at David's home, Jesse locked Marie in the toy box where both David and Jesse sexually assaulted and tormented her for three days. Jesse too? Yep. The daughter? The daughter. Marie was tied to a cot that they would roll into a confined and narrow space built into the wall before closing her into the darkness.
1: no, fuck that.
0: All the while, Roy sat watching television in David's home. Then, after three days of torture, David handed Roy a rope and said, quote, you know what you're going to have to do. Roy later alleged that Jesse held a gun to Roy's head while David instructed him to kill Marie as he filmed the murder for the purpose of selling it as a snuff film. Roy obeyed and took Marie's life. Then they dumped her body into a ravine, drove to Galveston, Texas, and hid out for almost a year in a beachside apartment.
1: How did he kill her, does it she say? Strangled
0: her with the rope. Wow. Wow there are interviews where he really provides details of how she struggled and what he did to finish the act, which I will not subject anybody to.
1: Yeah. I mean, I always thought how crazy it was that the members from like Aerosmith or Guns N' Roses found each other. Like, how does a bassist, a guitarist, a drummer, and a singer all find each other? Right. Like, how the fuck did these people find each other? And who was the one who was like, hey, man... I don't know what you're into or if like this is up your lane but like we kill people sometimes and torture them like would is that something you'd be interested in or like how do you approach that the
0: topic? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know I wouldn't know I mean Sometimes when I'm meeting people new, like I don't know how to start a conversation. I I like made jokes about this on my social handles and I'm like, so wh- what? who's your favorite serial killer?
1: Yeah, do you like Jay-Z? And then
0: people who bite and they're like, oh my fucking Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm like, my spirit animal has arrived. Yeah. Here we go.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's like, or unless somebody, unless the guy Roy was like, ah, fuck, I really just want to torture somebody. And they were like, listen, dude, I mean, I don't know if you know us.
0: They probably like, broach the topic by, like, fucking around about it at yeah. first. Like, like, hey, you know it would be crazy if we just strangled her. And then based on the reaction determines the next step. If your friend is, like, appalled, you're like, dude, I was kidding. Relax. If your friend's like, should I go get the rope? Yeah, it's on.
1: Imagine we had somebody locked in the wall right now. That would be nuts, <laughs> right? Or would it? Like, would, that be, would, would that, that be nuts for you? Or
0: So they dump Marie's body into the ravine and they skipped town for almost a year and virtually no investigation was done into the disappearance of Marie B. Parker. And we've talked about this phenomena before, how the less disappeared, and I have air quotes going, the less disappeared are deprived of justice or even just the pursuit of justice on account of their perceived, you know, less than worthy status in society. It's sickening and it's inexcusable, but it's reality. So... At this point, we've heard about the sexual assault, torture, and survival of Kelly Van Oh my God, this is too Fuck. <laughs> oh my God. We've heard about the sexual assault, torture, abduction, and murder of Marie B. Parker, and a brief description of a terrifying scene involving Cynthia Vigil running naked through Elephant Butte with a five-foot chain and dog collar attached to her. Sadly, alarmingly, there is much more to this case. Oh, my God. But to find out more about David Parker Ray's terrible reign as the toy box killer, the addition of an equally depraved female accomplice, as well as some incredible courage displayed by some of his victims, both while they were captive and in their pursuit of justice later, you'll have to tune into part two next week.
1: That's what I want to hear. So, and just so you know, I feel like we should say this, it's not that we're trying to trick anybody into listening to two episodes. It's more no, like...
0: there's just too just, much to cover it would at be once.
1: too much in one episode and you wind up hating us and being like, yeah, I just, my stomach hurt after the episode.
0: I was cross-eyed I and saw her. vomiting in the corner. Also, there's a lot of players, you know, there's a lot of three-name people. There's a lot of, you know, jumping, moving parts. So I just want to try and keep it somewhat organized to the extent that I can and to do that I need to break it up
1: and you don't want to discount the experience of the people by brushing over it and saying yeah fucking whatever she was strangled
0: absolutely not
1: these were real people obviously correct and their uh their story deserves telling in great as painful as it may be detail to listen to but I tried to lighten it up you know what I mean have a little fun I'm not really having fun if I'm gonna be honest I'm kind Mm. of uh, sad right now
0: it's okay to feel that way
1: I should be I should feel sad Otherwise, me and fucking David Parker Ray would be up in Elephant Butt, Montana, smoking butts and <laughs> oh, killing <God>. people.
0: <laughs> Nailed it, Tank.
1: <laughs> so many things wrong with that, uh, with, that with that phrase. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. This is where we're going to end the episode, but there will be a part two to this. And I'll just say, obviously, if part two is anything like part one, buckle up.
0: You're not going to want to miss it. You, you have to hear how this concludes and you have to hear everything that went down before it concluded.
1: Okay. All right. Well, then we'll see them next week.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Thanks for listening. Bye.
3: Bye.